chapter 14. For, I always love it that every, every Sunday we've got either new believers or people that are searching and are new to the Bible. And so I, I never want to uh, step out and say, oh, everybody, I just want to assume. John is the uh, fourth gospel, the fourth book, the fourth um, section of the New Testament, Old and New Testament. John was a follower of Jesus, one of his first disciples. He was called the Beloved. He was, um, it was a close kindred spirit with Jesus. We know that throughout his life. And eventually he, he was not killed like the rest of the uh, disciples or apostles. He was put out on an island to spend the rest of his days out there in isolation. But he still wrote the revelation there. But uh, in John chapter 14, I want to begin with verse 15. And I want you to, let's just go ahead and open God's Word. And today we're talking about who is the Holy Spirit. We're in the middle of a, a um, series called Foundations. And it's, it's so vital and to know who the Holy Spirit is. We've talked about who is God, who is man, who is Jesus, the kingdom of God. And today we're talking about who is the Holy Spirit. So verse 15, this is Jesus talking. He said, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to help you and be with you, how long? Forever. Just underline that. Circle it. Something. We live in a day where everything is temporary and is throwaway, and God says, I'm going to give you something that is forever. And you can bank on that. And He's called the Spirit of Truth. The world cannot accept Him because it neither sees Him nor knows Him, but you know Him, for He lives with you and will be what? In you. Not only with you, but in you. (laughs) And I'm thinking, you talk to somebody about that, and they're going to be inhabited by someone else, and it's like freaky, possession kind of thing. But we know know what God is saying here, but yet we got to look at, as we describe this to people, what does that really mean? And we'll talk about that. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. I want you to look back at verse 16 just a second. He says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Let me me just define that right quick. Another here in the original language actually means of the same kind. Jesus said, I'm going to send you someone just like me. And it's going to be me, but it's, it's going to be of the same essence. An advocate, to define it, would be like a defender, helper, friend, lawyer, comforter. The Greek word is called paraclete, which means somebody who comes alongside of. So what Jesus is telling the people is, I'm going to go away, but I'm going to send someone just like me who is going to be there exactly with you and in you. Okay. Now I want you to turn over to John 16. John 15, just so that you know, I'm not, I'm not just cutting things out of the Bible. John 15 is an incredible discourse that Jesus gives on the vine and the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. That's an incredible thought that he gives there. But in verse, in chapter 16, verse 5, he picks up talking about the Holy Spirit again. He says, but now I am going to him who sent me. None of you ask me, where are you going? Rather, you are filled with grief because I've said these things. But very truly, I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will prove the world to be, be in the wrong about sin and righteousness and judgment, 
about sin because people do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father where you can see me no longer, and about judgment because the prince of this world now stands condemned. Jesus is, is giving this, this discourse to his followers. He is about to go. He's told them already, I'm going to go. I'm going to depart. I'm going to die. And, and Peter stands up and rebukes him and says, not as long as I'm alive, basically. And Jesus has to rebuke him back and says, get behind me, Satan, because this is what's going to happen. And it has to happen. But they're going to grieve. Imagine if a family member is moving away or a close friend or associate is moving away. You, you feel, you feel it. I mean, there's a grief that's happening, and this is where the disciples are. And he says, but I'm sending one to you that will be your comfort, and he'll be with you 24-7. In the flesh, I can only be with you so long. I've got to sleep. I've got to be, be away. But this, the comforter, is going to be with you 24-7. Okay? So that's where we're going today. Who is the Holy Spirit? There was a little boy, and it was close to bedtime, and his dad says, hey, you need to go upstairs, go to bed. So little boy goes upstairs, and he comes back down. He says, Dad, I'm afraid. I'm afraid in my room. And Dad gives him the talk. says, Son, there's nothing in your room. There's nothing going to get you. It's not going to happen. So just going back up there. So the little boy goes back up there, goes into his room. You've, some of you all have been there before. Comes back down and says, Dad, I, I'm afraid to go in my room. And then he pulls the God, dad pulls the God card out. We do that quite often. And he says this, says, son, he says, you got to know God is with you in your room. So the little boy walks back up the stairs and he stops before he goes in the door and he just kind of looks up to heaven and he says, says, God, if you're in there, please don't move or you'll scare me to death. <laughs> now, for a little boy going to his room at night, that's kind of funny. But I think we're almost seeing a culture of Christians come along that says, God, I want you to take me when I die so that I go to heaven. I want you to take care of all my needs and all my wants and all my desires. But really, I don't want you to get that personal to move or it'll scare me to death. And I think we see that a lot. And God never, he, he said, I never left you as an orphan. I, I'm here for you. And I, and I have a process. He who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it and what he's going to do. Robbie Zacharias, the, the great teacher, was asked one time by a, by a Hindu man. And this Hindu man who Robbie was sharing his faith with said this. He says, if the Christian faith is truly supernatural, why is it not more evident in the lives of so many Christians I know? Today we're going to talk about who is the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk, and I'm not saying what is the Holy Spirit. Because so often we want to say the Holy Spirit is a, is a phantom or a, uh, you know, a specter or, or a ghost, the Holy Ghost, and it's some mist or vapor that just comes over us. And we get, so, we get so out of it, we don't know what to think. And there have been so many false teachings today on the Holy Spirit, and so many things have come about. And, and let me just kind of give you some of these so that you, you can think with me as we, we get into, try to give you a very balanced discourse on what the Scripture says. But uh, it... it there's one is this, is the Holy Spirit is just a feeling. Man, you know, I go into this talk, didn't you just feel the Holy Spirit? Or, or yeah, I've, got, I've got goosebumps, but didn't you just feel the Holy Spirit? I'm not saying the Holy Spirit cannot use feelings. I'm not saying He can't use goosebumps. I am not saying that he, he won't give you some kind of euphoric feeling or something like this. But He may not. You cannot equate a feeling with the Holy Spirit. 
Another thing is there's been a lot of false teaching today. Extra biblical stuff that's come along and people are saying this, this has got to be of the Holy Spirit because of this and this and this. I tell you what, there's an enemy that loves to counterfeit and lead people astray. And there's some incredible false teaching that is out there that if it's not, if it cannot be seen in God's Word of what, what He has laid forth, is that we've got to be careful with that. And then we have to be careful with, with a lot of times people will try to counterfeit or manufacture something. If we can tell a, 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 a sappy story as a preacher, if I can tell you something that, that's going to make you feel emotional all of a sudden, you're kind of thinking, man, the Holy Spirit's really speaking to me. When I've just told you a, about a puppy story or something like that, you've got to be careful of the counterfeits that man wants to throw out there. So with all of this confusion that has come in about the Holy Spirit, there are two definite divergent paths that have gone different directions here. One is the Holy Spirit is everything. I mean, He is everything. And everything we talk about the Holy Spirit, everything is real about the Holy Spirit, everything that comes along. And what has happened is, to a certain degree, I'm not saying that some of it isn't biblical and, and scriptural and real, but I'm saying uh, you've got to be careful about, about that approach. Everything is that way. But the other one is to come all the way over to the other school of thought that says, oh, the Holy Spirit is way over there. We're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit. In fact, to the point of where we take on a cessationist the, uh, theology, which means that now that the Scripture is complete, we don't need the miracles anymore. We, we're, this is the way it is. And so you've got these two extremes of the one thing. You remember in John, uh, John chapter 17, Jesus is praying, Lord, make them one as we are one. And, and the Holy Spirit comes to make us one, but yet we see these two divisive schools that have come come about and so we're trying to get a scriptural balance on what this means uh, right here and what jesus taught and what the scriptures teaches so allow me if you would to kind of kind of talk to you through some scriptural things and and to try to help you get some handles on this the first thing about this is who is the holy spirit let me let me give you three three thoughts on that number one is is he's a person and that sounds kind of weird, uh, that the Holy Spirit is a person. You're thinking, I can't see him, but, but yet you say he's a person. Well, just like we said of Jesus, he was 100% man and 100% God. The Holy Spirit is a person. And, and the reason I get that is as I look at Scripture, I see things like he could be grieved, but yet he spoke, uh, he made decisions, he had emotions, but yet we know also that he prays, it says in Romans chapter 8, that when we have these groanings so deep that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us with these groanings, so He is able to do that. Uh, but He can be lied to. He can be blasphemed. He, these are So many of these are characteristics of a person, and we think a person is just what we see in the physical realm, but we're seeing the qualities of the Holy Spirit is, in essence, He is a person. But let's go on. I don't want you to be confused with that because He is God. It's not like the, the Holy Spirit is, a, is another entity out here. You've got God and then another entity. No, He is fully God. And uh, with that, we know that He is, he is uh, everywhere. So when we sit in this room and we pray, I know that He is with uh, uh, our daughter in London. He is also up there in New Hope Church where we prayed for. He is, uh, he is all over the world today. So I don't, I don't have to think, oh, I've got, I've got it. Uh, I've got the uh, market cornered here on the Holy Spirit. He is all over the world, so he's, he's everywhere present. 
He is also all-powerful. We've seen things happen under the influence of the Holy Spirit that there's no other way to explain them. Healings, uh, addictions broken, whether some of the, the most bizarre things you hear on the mission field, the de- demonic freedom, uh, freedom from demonic possession that comes. And we see these, that He's all-powerful over, over all of these things. We also know that He's all-knowing. There is nothing as you pray, there's nothing as you spend time in the Word that you do not sense God knows it all and through the power of His Holy Spirit around me and in me that is speaking to me. So He's a person, He is God, but here's, here's the one I want us to settle in on just a minute. He is truth. He is complete truth. In other words, the Holy Spirit is not going to lie to you Will you feel this impression or, or you feel, how about this one? Do you ever get that voice of condemnation in your head? You, you, you know, it's telling you you're lousy and it tell you you're good at nothing and, and that kind of thing. Do you think, somebody say, well, I think the Holy Spirit's bringing conviction. No, no, I don't think so. I, I, I mean, I, I think we've got to look at the Holy Spirit's truth. We also know that the Scripture, according to Paul, it says that he God, it was God-breathed. In other words, the Spirit wrote completely the Scriptures that are there. And, and another thing the Scripture says is that He's always reminding us of the teachings of Jesus. So here's what's going to happen is, as the Holy Spirit begins to work in your life, He is going to lead you into all truth, reminding you of, of what Jesus was like, reminding you of His teachings. And a lot of times people want to know, well, Mark, what does the Spirit-filled life look like? And we're going to talk about this in just a minute. But I want you to know, when I read Scripture and I know the work of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit is, at times He's called the Spirit of Christ, what He is doing is, is He is taking the very truth of who Jesus is and He is replicating that in your life. Now, for some of you, you're farther along the path than others. But that's what He is doing. So this is who the Holy Spirit, and, and, and you hear that and you're thinking, okay, 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 okay. But the question is, what does the Holy Spirit do? What is his function uh, when it comes to our, our earthly existence? What does he do? And I, I want to look at this in three, three separate ways. Number one is this. What is his function in the non-Christian, the non-believer? Okay? What is, his, what is his work in the non-believer? Let me make it personal. For everybody in this room who has made a commitment of your life to follow Jesus Christ, I would venture to say you had a grandmother somewhere that was on her knees praying for you or a spouse maybe, or a parent. And they were praying for you. And what happened in the midst of that prayer, because the Word says that it's God's will that none perish but all come to repentance. So what happens is the Holy Spirit starts, I'm going to use an old word here, starts wooing you, starts calling you, starts drawing you to Himself. And uh, what happens is, is the Holy Spirit, uh, you, you, it's, it's, it's something. He may, you may see certain circumstances. You you. Just like Jesus said, you sense this conviction of sin, righteousness, and judgment that you start seeing that I am separated from God. Uh, And Paul said in Corinthians that he takes the blinders off your eyes. So we start seeing truth for truth. And the Holy Spirit is doing these things. And as he works this out in our life, I mean, you know, let's say that this is coming to Christ and this is post-Christ. You've come and you're growing. But there's the pre-side of that. And, and you're thinking, okay, I'm a negative 100 here. I'm an atheist. I don't care about anything about God. Let's just say the Holy Spirit starts drawing. You go from negative 100 to negative 90 to negative 80, and you see how God just starts drawing you through His Holy Spirit. And one of the things that, that Pam and I have prayed, and I know all of you in this room probably have family members 
or you have coworkers or neighbors or a spouse or somebody that is not walking with the Lord or does not know Christ, and, and you're concerned. If they were to step out in, in eternity, you're thinking they're going to be eternally separated from God. I have a love for them. I want them to know the true life of Jesus Christ. And you're thinking, how do I pray uh, in that particular area, knowing that the Spirit of God wants to draw them to Himself? Pam and I have prayed about this, and, and that family member not walking with the Lord. And, and uh, as we have prayed, we have said, Lord, we want you to put the real deal in their in their path. You know, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, somebody not that's churchgoer. I mean, somebody that's living that's in love with Jesus, and 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 their life is. We're we're just saying, God, put the real deal in their path. Now, God always has a way of of uh, getting back on me on those kind of things because the next thing I felt as we prayed that prayer was, uh, if you guys want me to put the real deal in the path of this family member, then what we want, then what the Lord wants of us is to be the real deal here in Round Rock so we can be the answer to somebody else's prayer right here in Round Rock. Does that make sense? I mean, we're saying, God, go do it. Go get them, God. Go get them, God. And he comes back and says, you're asking somebody else to be an answer to your prayer. You be an answer to somebody else's prayer. So, so with the, with the non-believer, the Holy Spirit is drawing them. All of you have a story of being drawn. I mean, you weren't even looking. And all of a sudden, bam, there you are. And the Holy Spirit just brought you. Now, let's go to point number two. What about the new believer or the person who is the convert or is, is, is receiving Jesus Christ? What about that person? What is the Holy Spirit doing in their life? Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.17 that anyone that is in Christ is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. So what is happening is, is that faith step, with that faith step, the Holy Spirit comes. And with the coming of the Holy Spirit, there's forgiveness, there's cleansing, there's new creation, there's transformation, there is no longer any condemnation. So that when the, when, when the Father looks on you, instead of you receiving the wrath of God, what you see is that, the, that Jesus at the cross took it all for you. And now when the Father looks upon you, He does not see your unworthiness. What He sees is the blood of His Son that was shed for you. Mark, that's weird. Are you sure about that? Yeah. But that's not a fair exchange. Oh, no. That's how much God loves us, though, to be willing to do that. And so what the Holy Spirit does is He brings that transformation. And, and I want to read a, a scripture to you out of Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 9. I want you to hear this, okay? It says, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. Now hear this. Hear this. You've got to hear this. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. So when you come to Christ and there's an exchange of your old self for, for who, what He has done for you, at that point you receive the Holy Spirit. If you do not have the Holy Spirit, then it says that you do not belong to Him. But then it goes on to say, but if Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also uh, give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit 
who lives in you. So what he is saying is this. When you come to Christ, there is a transformation, an exchange that happens, your old self for, for him and his indwelling in your life. Now listen, I'm going to just be totally bluntly honest here. I have seen certain people pray the prayer of salvation, and they, there's a brokenness of addiction. There is a setting free of stuff that's bound them up for years. There have been just incredible whammo kind of things happen. And then I've seen other people who make the same commitment, and, and yet they're, instead of the Holy Spirit doing it just like that instantaneously, there's a working out process that happens. I cannot explain that. You know what I'm called to do? I'm called to pray for healing. I'm called to pray for salvation. I'm called to pray for these things. Let God work it out how He wants to. And so that's, that's what, I, what I see uh, happening. So uh, he also, here, here's something that I think is, is really vital. He makes you aware that you are no longer under the penalty of sin. You know, there's no more condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. That, that Even though you're still working it out, you're still working out your salvation, you're still, still struggling with some issues that are that old sin nature, but yet you're seeing God do uh, this, and, and you know you're no longer under the penalty. So we've got, he's at work in the non-believer, he's at work in the new believer. Well, what about many of you in this room who have been Christ followers for a while? You're a disciple, you're an apprentice of Christ, and you're following after him. How does the Holy Spirit work in your life? Well, a couple of ways. Number one, He's transforming your mind. He who began a good work will be faithful to complete it. Uh, He is transforming you uh, bit by bit as you grow in Him. Uh, He gives you the ability to overcome evil, to actually walk in personal holiness. I'm not giving you an excuse to not be walking in personal holiness, but you've got to realize some people, uh, it's not a legalistic thing. It's the Spirit working this out in you, and, and He is going to push you. He's not going to allow you. That's why for some of you that have been Christ followers for 30 years, all of a sudden God starts pushing you to a new level. This is not like this video game. You only play one level all the time. You're like, man, I'm bored with this faith. He's always pushing you to deeper levels. And so uh, he is, he is de- he's desiring for you to walk in personal holiness, and so He's working that out. One other thing is this. He is enabling you to minister, to serve others. You remember Jesus was crucified. He rose from the dead. Forty days he was on the earth before he ascended to the, to the heaven. And, and he, during that time, right before he leaves, he takes his disciples aside. And in Acts chapter 1, verse 7, here's what, here's what the Scripture says. He said to them, Jesus speaking to his disciples, It is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by His own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You will receive power. Now, I've heard a lot of teachings on this Scripture, and a lot of times somebody will refer to the Greek word for power as dunamis. So you got dynamite from that, and you get dynamite power in your life. Which is, which is correct because it's life-changing. However, dynamite did not come till much later uh, than the dunamis in the Greek here. What it literally means is he is giving you the enablement, the enablement to be his witness. In other words, he has created all of everything perfectly so that you can be used right where you are 
for, for His witnesses. You are enabled to do that. And part of that is He gives you spiritual gifts. I'm not going to go into a long teaching right now on spiritual gifts. I will say this, and this is just a sidelight. Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't have an opposition to spiritual gifts inventories. Be very careful of saying this is it for the rest of my life. What you're doing is you're limiting God. I think He can take a gift away and give you another one as need be for that situation. So be careful of saying, oh, I only have the gift of mercy, so I can just do mercy the rest of my life. That's all I'm going to do. Be careful. Holy Spirit may say, no, I'm going to give you the gift of evangelism right now, and I need you to do this. Okay, that's, that's a separate teaching. The other thing, not only does He give you gifts, but His fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, these things start to work out in your life as you yield to the Holy Spirit for Him to work these out in your life. Uh, the other thing, one more thought on this is this. He actually brings awareness that you are no longer have to walk under the power of sin. Um, you do not have to be bound up. I've seen people in jail who are more free than some people walking out here in freedom every day. I mean, Holy Spirit wants you to walk in freedom, and He can, he can do that. So, who is the Holy Spirit? What does He do? How can you be filled with the Holy Spirit? Because this is always the one that, that, uh, that people look at and say, okay, you know, what, what about that, Mark? I mean, that's kind of confusing because it says, if you're saying that we get the Holy Spirit at salvation, then uh, what, what is this deal about being filled with the Holy Spirit and, and what takes place at that point? Um, I am a firm believer in, in, in uh, needing of fillings of the Holy Spirit. In fact, Paul said, be not drunk with wine, which is to excess, but be filled. And it's literally a continuation word. He says, be ye being filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul's saying the same thing I say all the time is I leak. I leak and I need to be filled so I can, be, can walk in fullness of what God had created me uh, for. So I'm going to give you three things right quick in, the, in the, uh, uh, the filling of the Holy Spirit. Number one is this, is there needs to be a surrender, a yielding. Paul said this, I've been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loves me and gave himself up for me. So there is a yielding, a surrender uh, to the Lord that takes place. And, and it's, the, it's the giving over, and, and uh, uh, that, that's difficult. That's very difficult. I wish I could say that's the easy one. That is the difficult one because we, we want to live our lives our way, but we want all the benefits that God has for us, and yet we're not, and I think the church is struggling majorly in our day of, of not walking under the power and influence of the Holy Spirit, because we're not willing to yield uh, to Him. I tell you, I tell you one thing before I, before I go to the next thing, that sounds stupid, uh, is that you remember when He said, go and wait? Can you, we don't wait for anything. They waited 10 days, and the Holy Spirit fell upon them. We don't like to wait for anything. We, and so that's tough. That surrender and that yielding is a very, very, very difficult thing. What, what I have here is a vase with some water in it. There was a professor that went before his class, science class, and he said this. He said, how do I get the air out of, out of this vase? And so the students started talking. They started throwing out ideas. Somebody said, well, you create a vacuum of some sort and it sucks all the air out. And 
you know, they came up with, with a whole bunch of different ways in how they thought they could get the air out of the, uh, the vase. But then he came and he took, took a picture. And with that picture, he started pouring into the vase. I'm going to stop. But he said that with the, with the filling of the water, now the air has gone out. And with our walk with Christ, sometimes we're thinking, God, if I can just get this under control, then I know you'll fill me. If I can just get this under control, I know you'll fill me. If I can just get this under control, I know you'll fill me. Only that we're try- what we're trying to do is flesh out uh, things. We're just trying to flesh it out, flesh it out, flesh it out. And we're, we're yielding to this flesh all the time. Instead of coming and say, God, I yield to you. Fill me with your Holy Spirit, God. Only you. Listen, you know how often my prayer is, God, only you can fix this in me. I can't do it. I can't do it. It's that yielding to him. Yeah, um, here, here's, a, here's a more earthly example for you to understand. Pam and I celebrated 38 years uh, last week. How about that? A marriage. That's a pretty good deal. And, uh, you know, 38 years, at least it's not one year over and over again. It's been 38 good growing years. But, but you know, I look at our relationship. If we are distant physically or emotionally or uh, conversationally or even even physically separated, what happens is is with that separation comes a greater temptation, especially for us as men in the areas of lust. And I can tell you this: of, of men and women that I've talked to who have gotten involved in adultery, it did not. It happened because of a distancing from their spouse, and adultery came in. It was the result of. Well, that's over there. I'm over here, and there's an isolation, and this begins to happen. And so, but I can tell you this: when I'm physically intimate, when I am spiritually close to my wife, when I am phys- physically close to her, when I am emotionally close to her, when all of these things, and 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 I know the oneness is there. Let me tell you, the thought of even a foreign substance coming in at all, I can block it out. There's no nothing on the computer that even comes close to the real deal. You see what I'm saying is that so often we, we get separated from God and we have this slow fade from God and we're not really walking in the Spirit. We're yielding to the flesh. And what happens with that is that we see all of a sudden that, that, that we're thinking, oh God, where are you? And the temptation is so great. But I'm telling you, when you're walking close and intimate with Him, it doesn't happen. So we, we want to yield to Him. The second one is this. We want to walk in obedience. Uh, walk in obedience. We want to obey. Acts 5.32 says, How much more does He give the Holy Spirit to those that obey Him? You know, when God has spoken, He doesn't owe you to speak again. I mean, He, he, he wants you to walk in that obedience. He's not counting. <laughs> okay, Mark, one, two, three, you better go do it. Uh, you know, uh, you know, it's He speaks and we want to obey and, and uh, um Walk in that obedience. So obedience is number two. Number three is this. It's to ask. Luke 11, Jesus is, is talking with uh, um, the people and, and they're asking him about prayer. And he says, if an if a, if a evil father knows how to give good gifts to his children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those that ask? Uh, excuse me, give his Holy Spirit 
to those that ask. It says that in Luke 11. How much more will he give his Holy Spirit to those that ask? And I think there's an asking. I mean, I've seen, I've seen people in part, you know, lay hands on them. I've seen the Holy Spirit do some incredible things at that point. But there's something about yielding. God, I'm broken. I can't do this. I need your filling. And there's something about God, I, I want to walk in obedience with you. And then there's something about God, would you please just fill me with your presence? And, uh, you know, one of our biggest struggles is, I, I heard this statement this week, is that the throne, a throne is not a couch. A throne is one seat. And we struggle with who's going to be on, the, on that throne. And uh, so that, that about being filled with the Holy Spirit. And, and understand that His whole desire is to make you like Christ because people want to know, Mark, when a person's really full of the Holy Spirit, what do you think they're going to manifest? How do you think that's going to be manifested? And some people mean, is it an ecstatic utterance? Is it going to fall on the floor? Is it going to raise your hands? What is it going to look like, Mark, when they're full of the Holy Spirit? I tell you what, if it's the Spirit of Christ, then what's going to be manifested is love, humility, grace. Because that is Jesus' life. Might other things happen? Sure. I can jump through hoops all day long, but I'll tell you, if there's not love and grace and the mercy and the compassion of Jesus developing in my life, I'm not walking in the Spirit. I've I, I got to end. But I want to I end with a personal note. I was reading last week in, in Luke's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 31. And, and I want you to hear this, okay? I've, I've shared with you a lot of head knowledge today. I want you to hear from your heart what I'm about to say. Luke 4, 31 says this, Then Jesus went down to Capernaum, a town in Galilee, and on the Sabbath began to teach the people. They were amazed at His teaching because His message had authority. Get this in verse 33. In the synagogue, there was a man possessed by a demon, an evil spirit. And he cried out at the top of his voice, Ha! What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. Be quiet, Jesus said sternly. Come out of him. Then the demon threw the man down before them all and came out without injuring him. And all the people were amazed and said to each other, What is this teaching? With authority and power, He gives orders to evil spirits and they come out. And the news about Him spread throughout the surrounding area. And, and I know we, in the first glance, we say, okay, he, he, he cast out a demon. Notice where this man was. In the synagogue was a demon-possessed man. Please hear what I'm about to say. In the place where they came to open the scrolls and read the scriptures and have some kind of community worship experience, there was a demon-possessed man right in the middle of it. Now, did he manifest himself much? I don't know. I do not know. Was he sitting there in silence? Maybe. But he had gotten information. He had heard all these teachings. But let me tell you, when Jesus showed up, he had to reveal himself. And with that revelation, the authority of God took care of that. I'm wondering in many churches in America today, if there are not demonized people that are just bound up and struggling with the, with the things of the enemy. I, I, I just wonder. 
And what happens is, is that this is where the conviction came on my heart. So often, because I have the opportunity more than anybody else to share from this platform. Sometimes you get inspiration. You get something that's inspirational and you're thinking, that is good. Or you get something that's informational. That's good information that, that will let me. Or you get organization. We have put something together that's really good. Let me tell you, we don't need inspiration. We don't need information. We don't need organization, even though there's not bad things. We need the revelation of Jesus Christ. We need His presence. Because let me tell you, where the presence of Christ is, you cannot stay the same. Let's say this demonized man was silent for years. When the authority of Christ got present, he had to deal with it. Man, we meet every week. And I think sometimes, God, I'm just, I'm just giving the best inspirational message I can or the best information or organization. And you know you can get inspired by watching the NCAA basketball. Man, that inspires me to watch these guys. You can get information from reading a book. You can get organization from you that are greatly organized. But revelation comes only by His Spirit. And that's what we need. That is what we need. I want you to bow your heads with me, if you don't mind. Let me just speak to you just a moment, and then we're just going to open up the time. First of all, I want to ask you this. Do you know Him? Was there a point of exchange where you exchanged your old life for the new life in Christ? You know He forgave you. You know He cleansed you. Oh, you still struggle. Good night. You even have doubts and bouts of uh, hopelessness at times. But you know that there was a time when you said, God, I want you to be Lord of my life. I don't mean some class. I don't mean some ritual. I mean, you know it by faith. You made that step. If not, I'm going to challenge you right now. Let this day be your day. Let this day be your day.